Hey friends, this is Cody back again. Welcome to the That I May See podcast. Uh, in this segment, me and Miriam go through books two and three in the Psalms. Remember, the Psalms are divided up into five books and they have particular focuses. And this is actually when we're going to see the writings of the Psalms get a little bit darker. And uh, I love that because one of the reasons uh, it's helpful for us in these two books is that the Bible is very honest about how life is. It's not always, you know, rainbows, sunshine, candy, right? It's a lot of it is emotional darkness, um, despair, despondency. And God gives us language not to just think about it, but to speak about it. And so uh, thank you again for joining us and uh, let's dive in. What's up? I'm here. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> I didn't know if I was still going to be talking to Bob or not. I'm just, you know, having fun naming myself different Got things. multiple identities trying to go into the radar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See who you're on podcast with. <laughs> That's okay. hilarious. And maybe this is a good chance to plug the fact that you do have another podcast. So I do tell people about that in case they're listening in and didn't know. I do. You just exposed me, Miriam. <laughs> um, no, I do have a podcast. You're like, actually, called... I have seven other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. No, uh, I do have a podcast called Black Boy Freedom um, that I do with my friend uh, Xavier uh, Graves. And it's all about um, the freedom for black boys and expressing itself. And how we mentor black boys, how black boys think about their identities, mm -hmm. how they think about manhood, um, how they think about women, just all, all different kinds of um, things that are helpful, that we hope are helpful. They're, hey, they're, they're great conversations. I've learned a lot from listening in. So it's oh, kind of like getting a, a window into just getting to hear two black men just talk about identity for black men and what has shaped their own identity, what they've learned kind of along that journey. So it's just to be yeah. listen in on those conversations is really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We um, just trying to be helpful for anyone uh, who's raising or mentoring or, uh, you know, has authority over young black mm -hmm. boys. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's a podcast I, I do with Xavier. There's a few yeah. episodes out. I think the only platform they're out right now on is Spotify. Okay. Um, so if you do have Spotify, you can listen to it through that, but, but yeah. And then tell them about your podcast that is on the, um, end time themes in Spider-Man films. <laughs> I wish. I, I can see you one day. You're going to have like a very niche podcast. Yeah. Explores the atonement in the Marvel universe <laughs> before the blip. <laughs> oh man. No, for real though, if I could, oh man, if I wasn't in ministry, I would probably have some kind of like <laughs> comic book, movie, superhero podcast. I was just talking to some people about how May is like, um, Aunt May is like a Christ figure in the mm -hmm. new Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that'd be so interesting to explore female Christ figures in the Marvel mm -hmm. universe. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's absolutely true with her. Uh -huh. Absolutely true. So yeah, that uh, leads us right into the Psalms. <laughs> That's right. So, so in in, in today's uh, part two of the Psalms, we're going to be in uh, the two different sections in the Psalms, Book Two 
mm-hmm. and uh, book three. But before we get into that, um, Miriam, can you break down how the books are kind of broken down and why they're important? Hmm. Like there's basically five books of the Psalms. Right. And they all and they're arranged uh, very particularly on purpose, as, as Miriam is taught in our last episode. Can, can you shed a little bit more light on that? Yeah. So there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different thoughts about why the books are broken down the way they are. Um, so you have book one is one through 41. Book two is 42 through 72. Uh, 73 through 89 is book three, 90 through 106 is book four, and 107 through 150 is that final book. And people kind of tried to say, hey, there's this theme or that theme um, in different books. I think they take us on a little bit of a journey. You'll see a bit of a more individual focused psalms early on. You'll Mm -hmm. see... um, You'll see certain uh, books might have more wisdom psalms in them or more psalms of lament. The The final book has a lot of kind of like doxology type of psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really interesting that this the books kind of refuse to neatly fit into categories. Um, right. And I think there's a, a, a reason to that because you'll find, okay, oh, these are, you'll start to think, oh, these are all psalms that are doing this. And then all of a sudden there will be a psalm where people are just like in despair. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like, oh, this is a psalm of creation or this is a psalm. And I, I, what I where I've kind of landed right now is that I think the psalmists want to, particularly as, they've, as the editors of this collection, they really want to force us to hold on to all of the different faces of our humanity. Mm. And that God yep. is with us and for us and speaking to us and listening to us um, in all of those spaces. And so you can't kind of just settle in and be like, oh, I only want to listen to this kind of psalm or I only like this kind of psalm. Um, Or start to think God only wants to hear this. I think sometimes we, when we think about like our worship services, we think, okay, God wants to hear praise. And yes, amen. Absolutely he does. Um, but God also wants to listen to us talk about how upset our enemies are making us. Yep. And really the Psalms, are, it's kind of crazy because we tend to think of scripture as being a book about the God who speaks. Mm-hmm. But the Psalms are book uh, a set of books about a God who listens. Yeah. And the humility of a divine listener mm-hmm. is just i don't know something we got to sit with more than we do i think absolutely I, yeah, I was it. i was thinking of some of those things too of what just like say about the the books and how they're arranged yeah yeah i was just i was just thinking about some of those things too you know um about like god <laughs> i mean this is the largest section in scripture Right. You know, are the Psalms. And yet God is like, I'm going to let you talk. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that's so important is because what God is doing when he does that is he's affirming our human agency. Hmm. He's not controlling. Absolutely. And, and also one of the things we're going to see probably more than next episode is let's us be wrong. Hmm. Yep. He lets us like, because there are some things the psalmists when they write, and, and, and not, not that the scriptures are contradictory, but like there are some of the things the psalmists write that are not true about God. Right. 
you know, but God lets them say them anyway. And he lets that get put in his, his inspired word, which means God is not afraid uh, to handle uh, all our emotions. And right. also we don't have to step on, like, we don't have to like act like we're walking on eggshells around God. Right. Well, and I love this because one of the Psalms we wanted to talk about was Psalm 44. So if we want to kind of just dive into this, I think it's a great yeah, illustration of what you're talking about. Cause he's, you know, he says some things here that you're like reading it and you're kind of like theologically wincing. Like, I don't know what, right? <laughs> because of you we're being put to death. That's like what mm -hmm. he says to God, like, God, why are you sleeping? And it's like, yep. well, God doesn't sleep. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, there with that. So one of the ways I like to think about it is I think, Sometimes we can get kind of in our heads and worried like, oh, I had this thought that like, I feel like God has forsaken me. Or mm -hmm. I had this thought that like, I don't feel like God loves me. And mm -hmm. it's like what, like, we kind of can get like, is it okay to think that? Is it not okay to think that? You know, <laughs> right. and, like, get real up in our heads about it. I think what the Psalms teach us to do is like, they're not so much commentating on whether or not it's right to feel that way. But what they're saying is that if you do feel that way, the first thing you should do with that feeling is say it to God. So That's that you right. don't say God's gone, but you say, That's God, right. are you gone? If That's you are right. gone. And God invites us to speak to him, which invites us back into relationship mm -hmm. and um, helps us like process those emotions. So like, you mm -hmm. know, lately is, I'm mad at God. And it's like, okay, tell him. That's what the psalmists do. And yep. I'm not saying, okay, you're right. You're right to be mad at God. I'm saying right. if you do feel mad at God, you ought to talk to him about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that you're right to feel that way. It's you have the right to express that. Mm -hmm. And because it's like there are times in Scripture where people do say, God, you are gone. Right. You know, they say things that aren't true. But God is so loving and patient and and understanding, I think that's what's going on in Psalm 22 that we actually see translate into the cross. Yes. Um, is that God, why have you forsaken me? And we and and you and I have talked about this and you've helped me think a better about this. But we we kind of assume that on the cross, because Jesus prays that, that means God has forsaken Jesus. Mm -hmm. But but Jesus is using, even in his death, Jesus is using the Psalms to process how he feels, mm. not yep. what is actually happening. Right, right. Um, and that's what is so important that on the cross, God did not abandon Jesus. Mm -hmm. God was there the whole time, but it felt like he abandoned Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's how Jesus felt. But if you read that entire psalm at the end of the psalm, which because we know that Jesus believes in context, right. you know, <laughs> that he didn't have time to recite the entire psalm while he can barely breathe. But he recites a psalm that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. That at the end of the psalm, David says, but you have not forsaken me, God. You have right. not left me. You have been with me. And that's you see kind of that's what Jesus does as well. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is praying the psalms as he's dying. Right. And so let's let's get into um, uh, Psalm, psalm 44. 44. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So I think, it, I mean, it really speaks to how we so often feel when we are suffering. It kind of mm -hmm. outlines like the history that we have with God 
And then there's this turn in nine that is like really what haunts us, I think, when we suffer is this sense, but God, has God done this? Like, I thought, I thought God had my back and now I feel like God dropped me. Like, wow. Yep. That's the, that's the, the bewilderment. Like he's praying his, like his total just bewilderment. Mm-hmm. The fact that God who has been there for them all this time, who is his king, who is his God, who they've trusted in. Mm-hmm. That now it feels like that God has turned on them. And he says in verse 17, all this has happened to us, but we have not forgotten you. Yep. We've still been crushed. Absolutely. And and this is another case where they say things are not just are not true about God or or at least not true in the truest sense, right? So he right. says, you know, um, you brought disaster on us, right? And, and I, right. you know, this is kind of like one of the first things we do when things go wrong. Right. Is we blame God. And, and we, we talked about this earlier, but like, like, I don't know if you've ever, this, God's restraint is just insanely mm-hmm. incredible. Like to be accused over and over and over and over again and to not speak. Hmm. I mean, you're talking about the being in the universe who has every right to cut you off in the middle of a conversation and say, actually, you are wrong for what you're saying. Hmm. Right. I don't know if you ever had a conversation with somebody and it, it, they're critiquing you or they may be they just may be being unfair to you a little bit. Right. And, and everything in you just wants to say you are wrong. You ain't got it. You know? Yeah. Like you got it wrong. But uh, in humility, you, you know, you might just sit there and listen or you may chime in. But what God is showing is that, like, he's not afraid of false accusations. Hmm. Wow. And we have to stop being afraid of that. Yeah. It, mm, like, that's so good. We, I talk to people all the time who, when, when it comes to even misogyny or, you know, when it comes to racism, they're, they're more afraid of being accused of those things than they are of being those things. And I'm like, yo, we, we need to take a page from the book of God. Right. You know, and say, you know what? Mm. We need to focus on emulating righteousness mm. than being falsely accused wow. uh, of unrighteousness. Mm. And, and so God good. is a perfect example of yeah. that. You know, Absolutely. I mean, look at what they say here in verse, uh, let's see, 22. They say, because of you, we're being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. You're saying like, God, you're not a shepherd. This is what they're saying. You're right. just lining us up and sending us into the slaughter. Yep. And that's how it feels to them, right? Yep. And I love that. I love how the Psalms ultimately, one of the things we have to think about when we read the Psalms is that Ultimately, the truest singer of the psalm is always going to be Christ when it's coming from that perspective of the oppressed because he took on ultimate oppression. Mm -hmm. And so there is no line of the oppressed that doesn't ring more true in the mouth of Jesus than it does in our own mouth because he is so closely identified with our suffering and taking it upon himself. And this is what Jesus said. He is a sheep to be slaughtered. He was the actual sheep. He says, Mm -hmm. as a sheep is led to its slaughter. Like that describes his death. And all of these things that are described here, he was rejected. He was oppressed. He was crushed. Like, and he hadn't strayed from the path. He hadn't forgotten God. And yet he's covered in this like deep darkness. And I think about, um, 
in in Romans 8 where this passage is referenced, right? Mm-hmm. It said, this is how we're going to feel sometimes. Like yep. sometimes we are going to feel, like as it is said, we are like sheep being led to the slaughter. Like this is how we are sometimes going to feel. And yet nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's right. And I think like we have to, you know, read this into this is, you know, reads us right into the New Testament of how mm-hmm. God answers the cries of the oppressed ultimately in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and go to Psalm 46. And I, uh, mm. There's a there's a particular. So in verse two, um, you know, one of the things Psalm 46 is going to talk about is is God being a refuge. Right? Mm-hmm. And here's what it says. Um, in Verse one and two. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is found, who is always found in times of trouble. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth's, the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. Hmm. I want to, I kind of want to point something out here. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, if, if you're listening, you, you know, and you may not, if you may not be familiar with uh, what the sea meant to the ancient Israelites, mm-hmm. um, the sea was the most terrifying thing. And not only because, it, not only because it reminded the Hebrews of their, um, their own circumstances, but because it, it, the sea had been used in particular ways throughout their own history, been used by God, hmm. right? So, you know, the first time we see the sea or even just a huge body of water uh, mentioned or, or at least given significance in hmm. the Bible is Genesis with, with the flood, right? God uses the waters and the sea to destroy all of humanity, Right. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Noah and his family. And then the next time you see this uh, similar thing happen, it doesn't happen to the Israelites. It happens to uh, the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Right. When the Egyptian yeah. army is following uh, the Hebrews, you know, God has freed the Hebrews from uh, slavery in Egypt. And he, you know, he has Moses part the Red Sea. And then as they've kind of gotten all the people across, he closes the sea on Pharaoh's army. And so what, what happened over time for the Hebrews is they became very afraid of the sea. Hmm. Um, and th- what, what, what the psalmist is saying right now with that context is incredibly significant. So mm-hmm. he, he says, therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. Wait, so what they're saying is, because the sea also represented chaos in the, in the ancient Hebrew world, they were saying that the worst things that the sea can do to the earth do not scare us when you are with us, God. Hmm. And then you even see this theme in the New Testament, right? When Jesus walks on the sea, right? So Jesus is walking on the sea and we kind of just think, okay, you know, he's doing a miracle, which that's fine and true. But when Jesus walks on the sea, any Hebrew, any any Jewish they person, they knew what reading, that meant. They knew exactly what that meant. They're like, this is the God who conquers chaos, who conquers right. our enemies. Mm-hmm. He is He is so victorious. He is over all of that. Like that mm-hmm. that is beneath that's so him. Good. That's so good. And and that's I think what what this psalm part of what this psalmist is communicating. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? Or what, what are some uh, things oh, you ab- see? Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I love what you brought out there. And then I think the second half kind of gets into this idea of like this 
it's talking about, you know, the holy place or the city of God. And this is a theme you'll see pop up a lot in the Psalms is they're really kind of wrestling through like, is where is God's presence? And like, sometimes mm-hmm. they feel like God's presence has left his like holy city or sometimes oh. they are, themselves are separated from the holy city. Mm. So there's this kind of like struggle of like trying to be present with God when they think of God as being sort of, um, his, he dwelt in like the temple in or in the tabernacle, in this the holy city, and this is how Israel kind of thought about where God's presence was. But mm-hmm. something we see the psalmist also dealing with, and God communicating to us through the psalms, is that God doesn't just um, make His home in Israel or in this particular town, in this particular place, but that God makes His home with His people. Mm-hmm. And so, even when they are physically separated from Jerusalem they are still able to be present with God Amen. here where he says, okay, the Lord of armies is with us. Like mm-hmm. it's not, God is within Jerusalem, but God is with us. That's and right. I think that is such an important theme to kind of pay attention to as you read the Psalms. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. That, that's one thing there. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move to Psalm 88. Mm, okay. um, I actually, I, I taught this psalm, through this psalm, uh, uh, about a year ago at this winter retreat for some students. Mm, I love that you and, did this one. And um, the reason I did it was because uh, the Psalm 88 might be the darkest psalm mm. um, in, in Scripture, uh, or at least in, this, in the Psalms. Right. And it's an imprecatory psalm. Um, it's going to talk about despair, depression, and it's going to talk about very deep, dark oppression. And, and there's actually no happy ending mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to this psalm. And to kind of give a little bit of context, uh, we don't know exactly what's happening around the writing of this psalm. What we do know is that it's very likely that whoever wrote this or prayed this or sung this mm-hmm. had some kind of long-term illness that is on the verge of taking this person's life. Yeah. So much so that it has separated this person from their loved ones, their friends. That's why a lot of theologians think that this psalm deals with leprosy, like what it would have been like to be a leper. Um, obviously, we don't know that for sure. But whatever this, whatever disease or ailment this person is dealing with, um, it is ruining this person's life. Hmm. And here's, and here's part of what it says, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it too, Miriam. It says, Lord God of my salvation, I cry before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry, for I have had enough troubles and that my life is near Sheol. I am counted among those going down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I am like the slain lying in the grave whom you no longer remember and who are cut off from your care. I mean, that alone is just like, wow. I mean, he's like, I'm like, he's like, God, the way that I feel is if I was just another dead body in a field after a battle. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. the, way, the way that I feel is that I'm just another one who was killed in battle that, that people don't even remember. I'm one of those soldiers. No one, no one even knows who they are. And, and I've died and, and I've been, God, I've been cut off from your care. 
Um, I, mm. No one remembers me. And, and uh, I don't know if you've seen Coco. Actually, I took your kids to see Coco. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. That was <laughs> hilarious. They loved I remember that. That was I always remember that. No, I remember I remember going with your kids to see Coco. And you know, one of the one of the themes of basically the dominant theme of the movie is what it like, what is it like to be forgotten? Hmm. And and how devastating that feels. Right. That even when we're suffering, like our su- like physical suffering is not nearly as painful as being forgotten. Well, you know, research actually shows that the abuse of ne- like that neglect is more harmful to the psyche than abuse. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Because wow. it, cause like abuse says like, I don't like you. Wow. And neglect says you don't exist. Wow. I remember Miriam, I need you to refresh my memory. Was it there like, was it that proven in like Africa somewhere when all these babies who were adopted um, or not, not, they were not adopted. They were at an orphanage. There's like all these babies. It was somewhere overseas. It may not have been Africa, but I remember you and your dad telling me a story of babies overseas that were dying because they weren't being held enough. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember what I'm talking about? I, do. I would have to look up the specific story, but, but that, that, oh, that made me so sad. That it, it's not just that. La- it's like literally that physically being forgotten. Yep. Can, it just just can literally kill somebody. Can literally kill you. And I think yeah. one of the things the psalm tells us is like it is possible for a true believer to be deeply depressed, to yep. be at the lowest of the lows, to be to be in total oppression, to feel like they are completely in the darkness because yep. of maybe things going on inside of them, things that have been done to them, just the brokenness of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. Psalm 88 is like a warning against the prosperity gospel. Psalm 88 mm. says things might not get better. Like That's I think right. about Matthew chapter two, um, when all the babies are killed mm. in uh, Bethlehem. That's and right. it says like Rachel won't be consoled. She's weeping for her children. And sometimes you just, you just keep like the grief stays like it doesn't get better right. um and yet the darkness does not mean that we cannot have a rich and real relationship with god that's right you know so uh, what, right. how do you see that unfold in this psalm yeah one of the things I, I see that the psalmist does and i think it's hard i think it's easy to miss if we don't catch it but you may read psalm 88 and you're like this is like the most depressing thing i've ever read Mm-hmm. There's no happiness. There's no happy ending, nothing. But the, the fact that this psalm exists means that even in this, pers- this person's worst suffering, even in their accusations against God, even in their despair, their despondency, they're still talking to him. Hmm. They're still talking to God. And that's what we need. Right. Like this and, person. And that is such an act of profound faith. Like I was just going to say, yeah. So much to learn from people who in the worst like darkness can still cry out to God and mm-hmm. turn to God. What an act of faith. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's like <laughs> this person, it's almost like if, if that, if you ever met someone who's really struggled their relationship with God and they're angry and they're just like, I hate you, but mm. they still, they still believe he exists. Yeah. And like, they still believe 
that like God cares because if they didn't, they wouldn't be talking to him. And so this psalmist may, this psalmist may be communicating something that they are, were unaware of, hmm. you know, of that actually as, as angry as they are at the Lord, they actually still do love him mm-hmm. and that he is worth loving. And I think that's just an important reminder and encouragement to anyone who's struggling. Like maybe you're out there and, you know, maybe this is just a hard, just a hard time with you. Maybe it's hard because you've been discouraged about, you know, racial matters in America. Maybe you're discouraged about the way that the poor are treated, the way that women are still being abused and, and, and things like that. Or maybe, you know, you've had people close to you die from the pandemic or, mm. or lose their job or, you know, maybe life is, you just feel like life is crashing around you. Um, mm. the, what God is saying is like, I, I get it, but still, please come to me. Mm. Like, come to me and, and I promise you'll be comforted. Everything may not get better in that mm. exact moment. Right. But I know you end this psalm. And, well, and let me just to throw this in there. I mean, yeah. I think Psalm 88 it's like, you know, when something goes really wrong and you start telling somebody about it and then they just like try to silver line it mm-hmm. instantly. And you're like, yeah, but I didn't even finish telling you how bad things are. And you're already <laughs> trying to tell me like, oh, that's going to be great. You know, or like you're going to, I don't know, people just have all kinds of ways of silver lining stuff. Like right. you're like talking to them about racism and they're like, but think how strong it's making you. It's like, yep. you know. Like, <laughs> I, I think God, God doesn't feel the need to do that. God yeah. is able to actually just listen mm-hmm. to someone who is really hurt and really upset. And God does not feel the need to put a positive spin on it or mm-hmm. to try to point them in the right direction or to wrap things up with a, a you know, but remember God's in control and he loves it. Like he just lets them sit in the darkness but he sits there with them. That's right. And I think that one, we need that for our own hearts to know that God is so gentle with his hurting children, Mm. that God just sits there and listens to you. And it's okay to just be your fully broken, Mm. hurt self with him. And I think we have a lot to learn. Like you were talking about earlier, take a page out of God's book that like when somebody's unburdening, To us, they're sharing about how how they've been harmed, when they're sharing about hurt they've been through, when they're sharing just the the darkest places of their heart. Like we don't have to instantly wrap that up with like a theological bow. We can just sit there like the women did by the cross, just sit there and witness the suffering. Mm. Amen. And 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 I want to end on this. Um, cause I know we have to go, but you know, whoever's writing this Psalm, I, th- I, I bet you that when they're writing this or singing this or praying this, they probably did not think God heard them. Hmm. So the fact that this is in the Bible, God, God, the fact that this is in the Bible, even when God does not answer your prayers, God is saying, I heard you. I hear you. Like imagine this person getting to heaven and look like being able to realize that <laughs> their prayer is in God's word. And wow. And God is saying, yeah, I heard you the whole time. Hmm, that's so I wasn't, I wasn't ignoring you, hmm. you know, 
And and whoever's listening, I, I want you to know that that you, you may not hear an audible or even a visible answer of prayer from the Lord, but I promise He hears you. Hmm. And He's listening. Just as we as we close, notice the heading of this psalm. This psalm was written by a guy named Herman or mm-hmm. Herman. Sorry, I said Herman. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was my it was, Herman. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's it's written. But it was a psalm for the choir director. Yep. So how do we bear this kind of individual grief? We can only do it together. Like we have to bring our hurting, broken, most depressed, struggling, abused, in pain, confused selves to mm-hmm. church, to the collection of God's people. And together, like we sing this psalm with other people, even if that's not where, if I'm not in Psalm 88 today, but mm-hmm. you are, we sing this together. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Miriam, thank you so much for oh, just your you. thoughts and Man, your I wisdom. learned a lot. And um, we're going to go ahead and end it right there. And, and I'll see you next time. Sounds good. All right.